Welcome to the Outpouring Orlando Sermon Podcast. We exist to help people grow in Christ, share the gospel, and serve the community. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Preparing for the sermon, you, you can stay with me a little bit longer, just a little bit longer. Now, brother, listen, if he didn't ordain you, I was going to have a talk with you at the church. I'm just, this brother is gifted. Y'all got a gifted worship team. Man. When you, when you went to We Exalt the, I, I really did exalt them, so I'm thankful for your team. But one of the things I was thinking as we were here is seven years. How many been here all seven years? Just raise your hand. How about five years? How many people have been here five, six, uh, f- uh, three years? You've been here the past three years. How many just got here this year? Raise your hand when you're in. Praise God. Listen. One of the things I thought as I was preparing is you spend a lot of time in church. If you're serving, you really spend a lot of time in church. But even if you just come here on Sunday, you spend a lot of time in church. And one of the things I was thinking it's just we're spending our lives together. You're not just coming on a Sunday morning. You are investing the most valuable thing you have in your life, which is time. And we are spending our lives together. And one of the things I want us to do as we're spending our lives together is to, is to look, to pause and look next to each other and think, are we in good standing with one another at this seven-year mark? Are we in good standing? Because the Bible will say we're not just a, a church, we're a family. We're a family. The Bible uses language like you are my brother and you are my sister and God is our father and Jesus is our big brother and we're spending our lives together like the people that you're sitting next to. You're investing your time with those people and sometimes we don't pause long enough to ask the question, are we good? brother to brother, sister to sister. So I want to wrestle with this idea of how are we as friends? How are we as friends? John says in John chapter 17, verse 20 through 21, this is Jesus in his high priestly prayer. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, Jesus' high priestly prayer is for unity in his church, togetherness in his church. And I want to look at that this morning. Amen? Thank you so much, brother. You can find me, uh, proof text in Philemon chapter 1, verse 8 through 16. Philemon is not a popular book in the Bible. It's way in the back. (laughs) Check your, concord, your table of context if you have to, but Philemon chapter 1, verse 8 through 16. Amen. Sit on the screen. Great is on the screen. says this, for this reason, Paul talking, Paul is writing this letter while he's in prison. For this reason, although I have great boldness in Christ to command you to do what is right, I appeal to you instead on the basis of love. I, Paul, an elderly man, and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus, appeal to you for my son Onesimus. I became his father while I was in chains. 
Once he was useless to you, but now he is useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you. I'm sending my very own heart. And I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I do not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. I want to talk from this topic of still friends. Three points for you to consider. Point number one, the advocate. Point number two, the big act. And point three, who goes first? Who goes first? Let's pray and then we'll begin. Father, thank you that the interest of your word brings light. I pray for your transformational power to be among us. I pray for you to do the work that only you are classified to do. Change someone's heart this morning. Renew someone's mind this morning. And would you have your way in this preaching time? And we give you glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember it like it was yesterday, it was nine years ago, and we were preparing to plant Gospel Fellowship, and before I was a pastor, I was a teacher, and so I'm coming home from teaching middle school math, and on the ride home, I'm listening to this podcast. The podcast is done by a pastor who is very famous and well-known for planting churches, and he is advising young church planters. And the thing he tells me that's interesting, or the things he says on the podcast is, he, he warns church planners, be careful planning churches with friends. Be careful planning churches with friends because his, experiences tell, his experience tells him what started off in friendship can often lead to you not even being friends with that person any longer as the church continues to grow. And my initial reaction was, this guy must not know my friends. I got really, really, really good friends. I mean, we are solid. We have the same mission, the same vision. We are connected. We've known each other for some years. We have chemistry. There's character there. Maybe that applies to other church plants, but that doesn't apply to us because we're really friends. And I wish I could say this brother was wrong. I wish I could say it didn't apply to me, but it did. And I wonder, looking back after these years, what happened? I I, I wonder if somewhere along the line I wasn't clear. Maybe there were some unmet expectations in what they wanted and what I can give or what I wanted, what they were able to give. I wonder if there was some misunderstanding there. I wonder, did my commitment change Uh, to them as the church grew. And I had to take more time and consideration for the church and I didn't necessarily have time for friendships and hanging out. I wonder what changed. 
I wonder what changed when things got so, so misconstrued and misunderstood that there wasn't even opportunity for us to reconcile and get on the same page. What started out at us being down like faux flat tires, left in heartbreak. I wonder, I wonder what happened. What about you? Have you, have you ever had a friend and at one moment, y'all were cool, y'all were ace boom cools, you were, you were tight, you were together, where you saw this person, you saw that person. Have you ever had that? And then somewhere down the road, something happens, something changes, you start dating somebody, or you get married, and, and then the situation changes, and the allegiances change, and all of a sudden, we're not down like we used to be? And you ever wonder, what, what could have been done to rectify that situation? Now, I'm not talking about uh, like Facebook friends and Instagram friends. I'm not talking about followers and, and people you deal with only on your phone. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about real friends. I'm talking about like you are there for me when I need you kind of friend. Like I can count on you kind of friend. Have you ever, have you ever lost something like that? We live in a friendship desert here. If you get one or two or three friends over the course of your lifetime, you are a blessed somebody. And that's something or someone that you should hold on and cherish those friendships because the loss of a friendship is painful. We just went through a horrific or still going through a horrific COVID season and I'm pastoring people that have lost people to COVID. Man, that's challenging, that death of a friendship. Or I'm talking to people who have just been ghosted for whatever reason, have just been ghosted by their friends. Do you want to know a group of people that get ghosted often, a lot of times, with no explanation? Pastors. Just, just, just gone. Just not here, just no call, no show. And this is, this, is the this is the difficulty of what pastors and ministry leaders have been called to walk through, to experience that. But that's hard. That's hard. And so as we, as we look at this text, I want us to think about our friendships because our knee-jerk reaction sometimes is, listen, if we ain't friends like we used to be, you know what, bump you, I'll find another friend. You don't want to fool with me no more? Guess what? I don't want to fool with you no more. I'll get somebody that's be, that, that'll really be there. And then by the time we get to our next relationship, we put so much stock in this relationship. And we say things like, this thing has to work for me. Because we haven't dealt with the old relationship. We haven't grieved the loss of the relationship. Put too much weight on the next one. So I want to I wanna argue. I, I, I just want to argue. I know our knee-jerk reaction is forget you. I'll move on. I'll find uh, someone else that's, that's, that's there for me when I, that I can really trust. I want to I argue before you go finding new friends. What if God's calling you to reconcile with your old friends. And let me say something out the gate because I want to be very clear. Reconciliation is not always possible. I was sharing this message with a brother and the brother came to me and said, he started telling me all that happened in his, in his relationship with his friend. And it, and it, was, it was dark. 
He came up to me afterwards and said, Pastor Rod, come sit. We need to talk right now. <laughs> and, and he started sharing with me what happened. I said, you know what? That doesn't sound reconcilable. But what if your relationship is? What if your friendships are? And I want to talk about what it looks like to practice reconciliation with people we love. And here's why. Because if there ever should be a place where reconciliation should happen, it should be the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want to draw a little bit of context just so we're on the same page for this text. Paul is writing. He is in prison and he is writing to his friend Philemon. Philemon is a wealthy disciple that came to Christ under Paul's ministry, heard the gospel, got converted, started being a Christian and started leveraging his wealth for the church. Many will believe that the church at Colossae meant in Philemon's home. He's a wealthy disciple and he has a bond servant. Some texts say slave and it's not slavery like we think about. That was something that was based on race and something that was involuntary. Onesimus here decided to work for Philemon to pay off some debt and it was not based on race. So he's working here for him and, and, and Onesimus uh, is, is working for Philemon but gets tired of working for him and decides, I'm running away, I'm getting goals, I'm out of here. And many theologians would say on his way out, he stole additional money from Philemon and then he ends up in Ephesus and runs into the Apostle Paul. So that's where our text is today. And Paul, although he is in prison, chained and bound, decides to write a letter to begin to broker the relationship back between Philemon and Onesimus. And I wonder, like, if I'm Paul, if I'm in jail, the last thing I'm going to do is write a letter to deal with a squabble in the church. I ain't got time for that. I'm, I'm, I'm going through my own stuff. But Paul understands that fraction in the church spreads. And if I don't deal with this little fraction, it will become a big fraction and it has to be addressed. That's a good news for you and I. We need to work on the cracks in our lives before they become too weighty for us to bear. We need to deal with what we need to deal with, with integrity and faithfulness and biblically so that our lives will be better the way God intended. Because if anybody understands the beauty and the brokenness of friendship, it's the Apostle Paul. If you read through the book of Acts, Paul has friends. Paul's life is littered with friends. You can look at people like Barnabas and Titus and Silas and Luke and Priscilla and Aquila and Lydia and the Ephesian elders and John Mark. Paul has friends. He has multi-ethnic friends. He has friends from different races. He has friends that speak different languages, different customs, different kinds. He is a well-rounded person. He doesn't just hang out with people that act like him, think like him, vote like him, do the things he does, like the things he's like. No, he's eclectic. And this, and this eclectic personality helps him preach the gospel more effectively because he knows how to function in that room and he knows how to function in that room and he can minister to different people in different ways because he has different friends. How, what do your friend base look like? Does everybody just look like you and when y'all get together, you just talk sports and, and sports is all you know. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with sports. I'll tell you later. While well, LeBron is the best basketball player to ever play the game, but that's a, another discussion for another day. 
Do you know how to eat in different places and, and go to different places and speak different languages and understand different cultures? This is the Apostle Paul. He understands the beauty of friendship, but, but not only the beauty, he understands the brokenness of friendship. One of the most cold-blooded texts in, in Acts chapter 15, verse 36 to 40, that you would read is this disagreement that happens between Paul and Barnabas. In Acts 15, 36 through 40, there was a sharp disagreement between Paul and his, and his brother Barnabas. These are two men that loved each other. These are two men that did ministry together. They slept in the same cells together when they were in prison. They preached the same gospel together. They traveled together. They loved one another. Barnabas' names means the son of encouragement. He, he is an encourager. You, you ever had a friend that was an encourager? You ever had a down day, went round this friend, and all of a sudden you start feeling better because they start encouraging you? That's Barnabas. The Bible says there's a disagreement that happens between Paul and Barnabas. And, and, and Barnabas wants John Mark to go, and Paul is like, nah, John ain't going. Barnabas is like, no, we should take John Mark. He's, he's good, for, he's useful for the ministry. And Paul's like, last time John went, he left early and went home. We ain't taking John Mark. Yes, we are. No, we ain't. No, we taking John. John, John, no, John ain't. And the Bible says it raises like a crescendo until it's a sharp disagreement. So much so that they say, if you want John to go, you take John. Y'all roll. I'll take Luke. And instead of hearing the term Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, you start hearing Paul and Luke, Paul and Luke. That's not just some... Some detail in the text. The text is trying to show you the injury and the pain and the brokenness of friendship. And, and you begin to see that Paul understands the effect because as Paul keeps going in his life, Paul would be shipwrecked. I wonder if he could use the son of encouragement after a shipwreck. Paul would be thrown in prison, beaten repeatedly. I wonder if he could have used Barnabas' encouragement. I wonder, as Barnabas traveled, did he miss Paul's leadership and his visionary leadership to plant churches? Did he miss his literary genius as he wrote these scriptures that we are still reading? Did he miss Paul? And I, I, just, I just wonder in my mind's eye, was there nobody to get two of them in a room and say, y'all sit down, let's talk, let's work this thing out. Y'all need each other. Can't you see? If you're a product of divorce like I am, looking as a young boy, as my parents were going their separate ways, I wish somebody would have came in and set my parents down. And saying, we ain't leaving here until we get it right. Say what you got to say. Get this thing together. Y'all fix this. Because stuff is at stake. Your kids are at stake. This isn't just for you. This is beyond you. This kingdom affects to this division. What's at stake in your life? What's at stake when you because of how you feel, won't get it right. Feelings, nothing more than feelings. We put so much weight on how we, not what his book. Paul, this, 
This beastly theologian misses the son of encouragement. The son of encouragement misses this beastly theologian. And there's no advocate to get involved. And so now here in this letter, Paul is beginning to broker this relationship. He's beginning to put things back and he's beginning to tell them how he wants them to behave and what the expectation is that they are supposed to do because it matters here. This is not just some okey-doke thing. It matters. So he gets involved. Some of us, when we see relational tension, we say, I ain't getting involved. That's on them. And I ain't getting involved because last time I got involved and I said something, <laughs> they turned around and blamed me first. I ain't even had nothing to do with the pastor. I was the bystander. They blamed me for getting involved. I ain't getting They, they, they got to work that out. God, I'm praying. That's why I'm ministry of prayer for the saints. But Paul doesn't do that. Paul doesn't lean back. Paul leans in. Paul engages the tough terrain of this dispute because he knows it's going to bear a fruit that they need. But not only did Paul step in, the Holy Spirit steps in. You know, the Holy Spirit is called our advocate. Do you know in the middle of every argument, every dispute, the Holy Spirit is at work? You should say this. You should do this. You should get this thing right. The Holy Spirit right now as I'm preaching is bringing faces before your mind People you need to call and text. Could this be the one that this red preacher from South Florida came to talk to me about? Is, is, is this the one I need to right now? And, and so don't. here's what you do when you sense that. Don't push him down. Pick him up. How do I pick it up? Lord, is this what you would have me to do? Because I want to exalt you, not just in song, but with my life. But this ain't easy. I should have did an easy sermon for the anniversary. I'm just, I'm sorry. This is what he gave me. Um, so what's the Acts? Just look at Onesimus first. Onesimus, he was with Philemon, served him, left early, which means if he left early, he still owes money. And then some would say that he took some extra money, so he owes the money he owes and, and some on top of that. And so he's in the wrong. And what does he do? He runs to Ephesus. He's in the wrong, but then he finds the apostle Paul. Paul's preaching, he gets saved beautifully, starts serving in the ministry, being faithful. And Paul is going to ask something from Onesimus that's really, really crazy. He's going to say, uh, Onesimus, I know that you're doing well. I know that you heard the gospel. I know that your sins are forgiven. I know that you've left your past life to sin. I know that you are new in Christ Jesus, but I need you to do something. Paul's going to say to him, I need you to go back to Philemon and get it right. Now, Onesimus probably said, or maybe he burst out in song. He said, never going back. I'm, never. <laughs> I'm moving, moving forward. I'm not looking back. I'm forgetting those things which are behind me and pressing towards the mark of those things that started preaching. Because sometimes when the Holy Ghost talks to us, we start preaching back to the Holy Ghost, not knowing <laughs> he's calling you to repent. And this is hard for him because he, wants, he just wants to move on. That was then, this is now. Right now in the relationships that the Holy Spirit is bringing before your mind, here's what you're saying. That was way back then. I don't need to go back to that. Why would I even bring that up? That doesn't make sense. 
I'm in a new space. I'm in a new place. I'm in, I have a new mindset. I'm not going back to that. We're like Onesimus. And Paul is going to say, no, I need you to go back. I ain't going back. No. I, I need to go back. Go back where? To Philemon. No, I ain't going back there. Yes, you are. You're going back. And I'm going to send a letter that I want you to give to Philemon. Onesimus had to be thinking, if I go back, that means I'm going to have to pay back that debt. Yeah, I, I still need you to go back if you have to pay back the debt. Well, if I go back, he can literally kill me. At that time, for him to go back was risking his life. For Philemon could have had him killed. Yeah, I know there's this threat of death, but I need you to go back. Do you see what the Apostle Paul is doing? He's saying that the cost of reconciliation is high, but it's worth it. I had a mentor of mine who I love dearly. He would tell me to do challenging things, and I would rebuttal against him. And he would say, trust me and just obey what I'm telling you, because when you get where you need to get, it's going to be worth it. It's costly, but it's worth it. It's costly. Some of you all right now have injured some people. And the Holy Spirit's calling you to repent, but you're being stubborn. You're kicking against the pricks and you're fighting for how, you're, how you saw what happened, which is just one third of what really happened. Because it's your view, their view, and the truth. And he's calling you right now to repent, but you're kicking against the pricks with your pride and your arrogance. And I know this just by the Holy Ghost. You're fighting him and you won't relent. You must have your way. And right now, God's calling you to go back and get it right. He's calling you to repent. John the Baptist will say it this way. To go back would be humbling. To go back would be at a great expense of myself. But I must decrease so Christ can increase. Because the truth of the matter is, it ain't even about me. No way. I was putting this into practice and I, I did a small thing to my brother. And I, I thought, maybe did he take it this way? And I went to my brother. And I said, brother, listen, I, this small thing happened. Would you please forgive me? He's like, Rodney, stop. Go sit down somewhere. You ain't do nothing to enter me. Stop. What, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to make sure I'm living this thing right. I want to make sure I'm willing to go that extra mile. It's going to cost Onesimus a lot. It could cost his life. What does it cost you to repent? What does it cost you to forgive? What does it cost you? Look at Philemon. Philemon is going to cost him. Get the picture and I like to use numbers so you understand. Let's say, five, let's say Onesimus owed him $50,000. Let's say he worked some time. He paid off half the debt. Let's say he owes him now $25,000. But let's say he decides to leave. He still owes him that $25,000. And if theologians are right, he took some money with him. Let's say he took $5,000. So let's say Onesimus owes Philemon $30,000. Can you imagine Onesimus coming into church? We all in worship, hands lifted, glorifying God. And Onesimus, Onesimus comes and stand and worship right next to you with his hands lifted. <laughs> Owing you $30,000. <laughs> We're going to need security, security. I need help right here in the front row. Get them two brothers. This is, the, this is the craziness of what Paul's asking. 
Because he's asking Philemon, I'm going to send Onesimus back to you. I don't just want you to receive him, but I want you to forgive what he owes you. And I don't just want you to, to, to forgive him and let him come. I want you to treat him like a brother. Then he goes further. He says, not just like a brother. Treat him like you would me. He's saying, would you treat this runaway slave that stole from you like an apostle? Your, your, your pastor's been spoiling me since I've been here. Taking good care of me. Making sure I eat good food. Amen, somebody. First watch ministry. Any first watch ministry? Y'all ain't got first? Okay, first watch ministry. He, 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 he's, he's been a gracious host to me. What Paul is saying, Paul knew if he went to go see his wealthy friend Philemon, he knew he would get his own room. He knew his stuff would be cared for. His stuff would be laid out. Here's what Paul is saying. The same thing you do for me when I come, do for him. This is the scandal of what Paul is saying. But isn't that the scandal of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Wasn't I a sinner, lost and wretched and filthy and nasty, but God in his holy and righteousness saved me when I could not save myself? Didn't he treat me better than my sins deserve? Wasn't he better than I could be myself? And what Paul is saying, don't miss this, in light of the gospel, because of the gospel, that's the power that you drink from to be able to forgive and to repent. This is costly for him. He has to be thinking, man, if I forgive him, what they going to say? What will my other servants think if I forgive Onesimus? You see, what Paul is doing in an undermining way is he is undermining Slavery as a whole. I don't know if you can see it. He's saying, if, if Philemon forgive Onesimus, that means he's forgiving him the debt, which means there's an argument. There's case law that we can use to say, well, the other servants need to be forgiven too. Do you understand? If, if, if Philemon catches hold of this, he starts undermining the whole institution of slavery. This is pride involved. This is reputation involved. And this is hard. What about you this morning? What is hard? Because some of y'all are still fighting me. You're still fighting. I, I feel it. Still fighting. Here's my question for you. What's the alternative? What's the alternative? So let's say you say, I don't care what that preacher say. Um, I, ain't, I ain't got it. I ain't, I ain't finna forgive. I'm not, not going to repent. You know what? Whatever what they deserved it. Trust me. If I could tell you the whole story, you'll understand, Pastor. They really deserved it. I, I, I ain't doing that. No, not me. Okay. I ain't going to argue with you. I'm just going to talk to you. If you keep doing that, what you're building is a culture of friendship that says, when stuff goes bad, I'm hit it. When stuff goes bad, I'm out. You're building a rhythm in your soul of quitting. Sometimes you got to quit. Let me pause. <laughs> Sometimes quitting is needed. Listen, somebody beating you, quit. Okay, we, we, we ain't standing for that. Like there's some situations where you need to run. 
Don't hear this for what God told the preacher to tell me. I need no, no. If it's if it don't make sense, talk to your pastor. Run. But you want to be careful in your own soul. You're not building this this culture of resignation. This famous quote, you know what? Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping that someone else would die. Beloved, we don't forgive just because it's right. You should, be, you should forgive and repent because it's right. But you also repent and forgive because it's best. You know who wins when you say no? Satan gains the upper ground, doesn't he? He, gives, he gains the upper ground in breaking up little fractions in the church of Jesus Christ. Third point, and I'm done. Okay, preacher, fine. <laughs> I'm, I'll do it. I'll do it, but I ain't going first. I'll do it. I'll do it. Bring the person to me. I'll do it. Um, make sure they come with the right face. They got to have the right face on. Um, um, got to get, 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 get your face right. Get your disposition right. Get your story together. And, and don't talk about what I did wrong in the story. Don't only talk about what you did wrong in the story. Um, I, I, I'll do it. I'll do it. But I ain't going first. And I could push back on that. Um, I could say, who made you God where you, make to make, where you get to make the rules? Um, and you get to call the shots, but I didn't fool with that today. Fine. Uh, you don't have to go first. You can go second. And you can go second because Jesus went first. And that's not me being clever with the text. And, and this isn't preaching style stuff. This is... This is literally what happened. Jesus went first. So you can go ahead and go second. Ephesians 2 says, while I was dead in my trespasses and sins, when I could not move, couldn't talk, couldn't walk, couldn't choose, couldn't think about God to choose God. He, he, he went first and made me alive. Re, 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 call my body up so I can respond to him. So you can go ahead. And you can go second because Jesus already went ahead and went first. Isn't that what Romans chapter 518 says? While we were yet sinners, while I was pumping my fists at him, while I was throwing stones at him, he came where I was and loved me with this reckless, ridiculous, don't make sense, incomprehensible love that he gave to me as he loved me first. You can go ahead and go second. Because Jesus went ahead and went first. Isn't that what John 3.16 says? For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him, go ahead and go second. Because Jesus already went ahead and went first. The old folks will say it this way. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he done for me, my soul shouts hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. Go ahead and go second because Jesus when first you do that by catching a memory, he's been too good for me to be stuck up. He's been too good for me not to repent. He's been too good for me not to forgive. He's been too good. So I'll go ahead and go second. In short, I'm closing. God walked with us in friendship. We're the one that walked away. And what the cross is, is God going first to restore that broken friendship. Jesus says it this way. 
In John chapter 15, verse 13, he says, no greater love than this. Then for me to lay down my life for his friends. God calls us friends. Still friends? God calls us friends. And he says, you are my friends if, watch the contingency. There's a contingency. There's a contingency. If you do what I command you. We're friends with God and we are friends of God, but. We're friends that obey our God because obeying our God is what's best. It's what's best. I want to pray for us. And my son, he's, he's, he's seven. And uh, he said to me, Dad, this, this, this guy, this boy in class, he came up to me and said, um, do you want to be my friend? Now, my son also plays Roblox, if you know that game, and they always talking to each other on Roblox. So I just assumed he was talking about Roblox. And I said, you mean on Roblox? And he said, on Roblox and in real life. He came up to me and said, would you be my friend? I believe this morning God is asking you, can we be friends? And just not just friends in this fake way, but friends in this way that says, I will do what you command because you're God. Everyone's standing. I just want to pray for you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If it was a blessing to you, please consider visiting our website, outpouringorlando.com to connect with us and to also give financial support. If you are ever in the Orlando area, we would love to serve and worship with you. Have a wonderful week.